Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Our eight-week study this season is titled, But God. Each of us has a story with many various elements. The one element that outshines them all is the entrance of Jesus Christ into our story. Here's Jacqueline. Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read what we read last week. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse 4 and read down through verse 9. The words in this book says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Will you remember who's speaking? Many of us know this is Paul that is writing this letter. Um, what do you know about Paul? Let me ask you just to pop that in the back of your head. A lot of us are Bible students on one degree or another. The name Paul is not new to many of us. Some of us consider Paul a friend because we've read him so, so many times. Some of us consider Paul a foe because we've read him so many times. What do you know about Paul? We've been going over stories, right? Talking about my story, talking about your story, thinking about your story. If you considered Paul's story, what would his sentences be? Consider that. If Paul were telling his story, what would his sentences be? What would be his words? And what would the emotions behind those be? Do you have those in your head? I love seeing the thoughts going through. Pull up your Paul file. What do you have? What do you know about Paul? In what you know about Paul, now hear these words again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Paul says in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, he says, to conclude this whole letter to this particular body of believers and to you and to me, he says, finally, whatever is true, that we may sit and pause on that for a moment. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then he says, what you have learned, you personally, what you have learned, what you have received, what you have heard, and what you have seen in Paul, practice. Oh, that we practice these things. Why? So that the God of peace will be with us. Heavenly Father, how great and wonderful and powerful you are. How real and how big and how mighty you are. We come to you with all that we are and we lay all that we have at your feet and declare that you alone are God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. 
We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the love that you show to us by giving us your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for his death on the cross. We thank you that he conquered death, that he conquered the grave. We thank you that he rose again and that he is alive today for in his living, we are alive. We have your very breath in our lungs. We have your very mind in our heads. We have your very heartbeat, your very DNA running course throughout our bodies. How wonderful, how mighty, how glorious you are. I thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to go through this But God study, to go through scripture and to reset our lens according to our stories. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll consider your story today. The story of our God. What does that story look like? I pray that right now you will write that story on our hearts. The story that we know, the story that we clung to once upon a time, the story that we cling to even today. I pray that you'll go before us. I pray that you'll silence my words and only speak what needs to be said. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We get to talk about Paul today. And we're going to look at Paul. We're going to look at his story in Acts chapter 9. With my whole heart, I want to start with Acts chapter 4. And I want to go all the way through Acts chapter 13. I want to sit and do Acts 4 through 13. And I want to sit here for hours. And I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I even text Gail and Dandy, my my stronghold this morning. I'm like, I want to lay out 4 through 13. And I want to do all of it. Laugh out loud. And like, I need your prayer for wisdom onto what is needful. It's all beautiful. It's all good. But what for our story, for you individually, for me individually, what, what do we need? This is my prayer that I'm praying even right now as I'm sitting on the seat, trying not to go to Acts 4. Personal challenge, if you want to do what I've been doing this week, go to Acts 4 and do a study on the story of Paul. And try to look at it as if you've never looked at it before. Like you don't know who Paul is. You see the name Saul and you're like, wait, I thought I was looking at a guy named Paul. Who's Saul? Like ask those questions as if you have no idea and meet his story for the first time all over again. And when you do this in chapter four and you work your way through, you're going to see a man named Barnabas. Do a study on Barnabas. Sit with coffee with Barnabas. Ask Barnabas to tell you his story. And he's going to start in Acts chapter 4. It's the first time we see him. And you'll hear him say something like, my name was Joseph. It was always Joseph. My mom called me Joseph. My dad called me Joseph. And then I met these men, Matthew and Peter and James. And they were going through hard times. They were learning hard things. And all I wanted to do was tell them that they're doing a good job. Keep doing what you're doing all I wanted to do and that's all he did so much so that the disciples gave him a new name and they named him Barnabas that's what you'll learn if you go over Acts 4 when you read through the book of Acts and you'll see him in Paul's letters a couple of times referenced as Barnabas always as Barnabas find out what those sentences are about Barnabas and then ask yourself what is that emotion that went through Barnabas's head when they called him Barnabas the very name means 
encourager. How did that feel for Barnabas when Joseph is sitting there? It's Joseph, and they're like, Barnabas. Somebody ever given you an identity that you were shocked? Like deep down inside, you knew God was saying, this is who you are, but you are so busy with your label. And when somebody comes up and says, you are so pure, you're like, me? I wonder if that's the emotion that went through Joseph's head when these disciples, these men of God, the men who walked with Jesus, that are carrying on the light of Jesus, called him Barnabas. What was the story of Barnabas? Look over that. You're also going to find a name, Ananias. There's two Ananiases. One is in Acts 5. And this man, interesting story, this man saw something that Barnabas had done and did it. It's good in theory. The problem is Barnabas did what he did because he had a heart for God and wanted to pour it out to God. Ananias saw the outcome of what Barnabas got out of what Barnabas did out of his heart for God. And Ananias is like, I'm on it. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to up the game. Watch what I can do. Hmm. Not to ruin the story, but read Acts 5 if you want to see the story of Ananias and his wife. We're not going to talk about him. That's a fun personal study. Do what you do out of a heart for God. Let me just say that. Don't do it because somebody else does it ever. There's another Ananias, and this is the Ananias we're going to look at while we look at uh, the story of Paul. And we're going to find Ananias, and we're going to find Paul in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to pick up. As we read this, I do pray that you see, see Paul as a story. We've been talking much these last four weeks about our story, about the sentences that make up our past, those words that speak volumes in our heart, those names that have affected us so intently. Hear Paul's story and find the emotion behind it. Do the same thing when we come across Ananias. We only see this Ananias for just a minute, and then he's gone. Let's glean his story as we go. Acts chapter 9, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. What a fascinating opening sentence about this man named Saul. And we see Saul in Acts chapter 7. But look at, look at Saul in Acts 7 when he first comes in, into play. It wraps up what happens in Acts 7, ultimately in this one sentence. Paul is still doing what, or Saul was still doing what Saul was doing, and what he was doing is breathing out threats. We think about our first week together and how God created man in the image of God, right? And how man was born with the seed of evil. And here with this very force words of... Saul, we see that contradiction, don't we? We see Saul, who was a Jewish scholar, who had a head knowledge for God that would run circles around all of us united together as one. This man loved God. God loved him, grew up studying him, lived for him, worked for him. Saul was for the Old Testament God. And when anybody came up and said, but Jesus, his anger poured out over somebody who was daring to take place of God. 
he was in the image of God and religiously had a seed of evil. Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating. I hate Satan, how he uses that and twists that. He says, so Saul, made in the image of God, born with the seed of evil, was breathing out threats and murdering disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the story of Saul? Brand new. We know a lot about this man, but see it as a story. So when he's sitting here in front of people telling his story, what emotions are going through his head? Words that came from his mouth to another human that knew themselves as born in the image of God. This is what Saul did. Do you think he ever had regrets? Ever struggled with forgiving himself? Ever wished he could hide under a rock out of shame of what he had done? This is what we see when we read, but Saul was still doing what he was doing to the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this, he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. He requested, may I go? There's a church in Damascus. There are people in Damascus that are going on and on and on about this risen Jesus and it's got to stop and I'm the one for the job and he got permission so he went. And on the road to Damascus, we have a feeling we know what happened. Jesus. The story of God met the story of Saul. They collided beautifully. Saul lost his sight. He was taken home to a home that was not his. Kind of curious where that place was. And this is when we see Ananias. For the sake of reading scripture, because scripture is so wonderful, let's look at verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, how powerful is our name on God's tongue. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. I love the obedience of this man named Saul. He's a very obedient man. Fascinating. I think if anybody, anybody thought of Saul, I don't know if the word obedient would be the very first word. Anybody think Saul, obedient? But he was obedient. He was obedient to his instructor, um, Gam Gamaliel. Did he say Gam Gamaliel? I think that's the pronunciation. He was obedient under the teaching of this man, the Jewish scholar that raised him spiritually. He was obedient to Jesus from the very beginning. It's fascinating. And we see his obedience as we go through his story. He says, go home, um, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. Verse 7 says, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight. He neither ate nor drank. What is the story of this man named Saul. 
We know that sentence. Put yourself in that sentence. This is my personal challenge for you this week. Read that verse over and over. Sit with that verse and see the story that's happening in those three days where scripture gives us nothing. We don't have insight in what happened to those three days. Have you ever had three days with God? God said something to you and nothing else is said to you from God for three days and you're waiting and you feel like you're in the darkness. Have you ever been in a place like that in a season of waiting? He could not see. His whole world was turned upside down. He heard the voice of Jesus. What was he thinking during those three days? He hated that name. He hated that name, but he heard the voice. And I wonder at what point during those three days did he no longer hate the name of Jesus and start loving the voice of his Savior. Something happened during those three days of waiting. Verse 10, it says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Again, this is not Ananias of Acts 5. There was a disciple at, at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to Ananias in a vision, and he called him by name. He said, Ananias. His response was, here I am, Lord, as if it was a comfortable conversation. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus. His name is Saul. For behold, and I love the power of the word behold. Love the power of the word behold. Every time behold means stop what you're doing and see the depth of what's being said. And he uses the word behold to Ananias. He says, I need you to get up. I need you to go to this man's house in this city on this street because this man, behold, he's praying. It's the only insight we have on what Saul was doing during those three days of waiting in the darkness. He was having conversations with this man named Jesus. Powerful things were happening. It gives me goosebumps. It says, Behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in, and he saw in a vision that this man named Ananias is going to lay his hands on him so that he can regain his sight. But Ananias answered the same exact way every single one of us would respond. <laughs> but Lord, do you know who you're talking about? Because I know who you're talking about. Do you have that person? I take that as a yes. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Lord, he's coming to my city to destroy my family, my Christian family, as we speak. Why? But the Lord said to him in verse 15, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles before kings and before the children of Israel. For I will show Saul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Do you see the story 
of Ananias, the story of Saul. So Ananias departed. That's a powerful three words, isn't it? He departed, which means he said, yes. That's amazing. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose and he was baptized and he ate food and he found strength. It's the story of Saul. We know a lot about Saul. We know a lot about Paul. To hear his story as a person, to have him sit down and say, this is what I was feeling during those three days, I highly, highly assume he would be saying words that you and I know all too well in those three days of darkness. And I know somebody in their head just said it's been a lot more than three days. Anybody been in darkness a little bit longer than three days? in that season of waiting, of not knowing of what's going on. During those three days, may we do what Saul did and pray. Too simple? May we use that time of darkness, may we use that time of waiting to pray. And may we use that time of darkness, that time of waiting to ponder the story of God. I have a feeling that's what Saul was doing. That's what I saw this week as I was reading Acts 4 through 13. Over and over and seeing the beauty of the link of the stories intertwining throughout those chapters. Is the power of the story of God. And I wonder how much Saul learned during those three days about the story of God. He knew the story of God. Saul did. He grew up in it. He knew it. He could sit down in any synagogue, and we see that in the duration of the book of Acts. We see him go into synagogue after synagogue, after town, after town, after city, after city, sitting with Jews and chief priests and kings, exactly to whom he was called to teach, and proclaiming the story of God. Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, he knew the story of God. But for the first time in his life, he knew the story of God. Because at first, his story of God was all about knowledge. And here for the first time in his life, he's seen the story of God as applied to himself. And how the full story of God is the fact that he sent his son, Jesus. The very man whom he despised loved him so desperately that he died on the cross for him. And Saul was thinking about this for the very first time in his life during a season of waiting. And may we sit in our season of waiting, in our season of darkness, in the season of whatever word you want to put right there, and use this week as a personal challenge to ponder the story of God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever laid there and pondered the story of God? Not the knowledge. Can I encourage that? We know the, the knowledge of God, who God is according to the Old Testament. But what is the story of God according to the story of you? What does that story look like? 
I shared what my story of God looks like. I shared that over the last couple of weeks. What is the story of God in your life? What does that look like? How personal is that? How would you write that down? Furthermore, in a deeper challenge, how could you share the story of God in your life with another person? Some of us have done that many times. Some of us have never done that at all. This past weekend, I had the opportunity to celebrate our two-year of Women Inseparable with my full leadership team. We have our Thursday morning, we have Zoom, we have home groups, we have outreach. We, our team is beautiful. And we got away, we were uh, supplied a house to stay at a gift from one of our team leaders, family members in Donnelly. And we went away to the mountains, just our team in this little house for two days. And we started this event off. Now we've been in ministry together for a while. We are, we are linked, our, our team is close. We're a close group that pray for each other and praise over one another. But we started this group sitting together in a circle, very relaxed, very chill. And the first thing that was asked of us to do um, by our event planner of the day was to share our story of God. Just kind of sat there. We're all Christians. We're all in ministry. We all serve the Lord together. And here we were encouraged to share our story of God to one another. And I thought that's, that's wonderful. This is beautiful. There were prizes in the middle of the room. So upon telling your story, you get a prize. So one of us on the team, not to embarrass her, but Gail's hand shot up in the air. <laughs> and she says, ooh, I'll go. She desperately wanted one of those homemade prizes that were sitting in the middle, staring at us saying, give me, give me, give me. She shared her story of God and the beautiful thing, and I think it is because the timing of our But God study that we're doing, Gail and then another and then another and then another, one by one, each of us shared our story of God and then it tied into our But God. Like we knew who God was, but at this moment in our life, Jesus. And it was so precious and so sweet. And the stories that were shared, we knew each other. Our girls know one another. But our hearts got knit on a whole new level simply because we shared our story of God. We learned something brand new about one another. We knew sentence, child of God. We knew sentence, leader and women inseparable. We knew sentence married to so-and-so. We knew sentence mother of so-and-so. We knew sentences about each other, but we sat and we listened to the story of God and how it intervened into our hearts and our lives and completely turned everything right side up, making that story into something that we could share. Have you ever shared a story that was not shareable? It wasn't shareable. Have you ever watched a movie that was just so dark and you made it to the end and you're like, that was an awful movie. There was no happy ending. That's how we feel with our story, isn't it? And we don't want to share it. But God, but God comes in and he says, here's your story. It was this and it was that. But now it's shareable because there is an amazing happy ending. His name is Jesus. 
And it doesn't matter if our story was from yesteryear. It doesn't matter if our story is happening today. The answer is Jesus. This is what Saul is learning for the very first time in his religion, in his faith, in his strength, in his confidence. This man was confident. Nothing, no one could shut him down. He knew God. And in this moment in his life, for the very first time, he sat and he saw who God was through the eyes and the voice of Jesus Christ. And everything changed. And from that point, we go to Acts 13. And I highly encourage you to go through uh, the spaces in between 9 and 13. You're going to see a lot about Peter. You're going to see a lot about James. You're going to see beautiful, beautiful stuff. But we're going to go into Acts 13, verse 4, is where we're going to pick up. This is a couple years after those three days of darkness. A couple years have passed. It's hard to imagine timeline with scripture, isn't it? Sometimes we hear one sentence and then the next sentence, we're like, oh, that was quick. No, it wasn't. That was like, you know, eight years later. Things, things move quick, especially when you go through the Old Testament. Like there's just like chunks of time that pass. There's a couple of years that have passed since that time Saul heard the voice of God to this day that we see him here in Acts 13, verse 4. It says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Saul are being sent out by the Holy Spirit. You'll see that at the beginning of this chapter. They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, little island. When they arrived at Salamis, little town on the island of Cyprus, they proclaimed, they, Barnabas and Saul, proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. This is the very first time Saul was sent out. Very first time. He's been sent out. First place he goes, where he's most comfortable. Synagogue of the Jews. It's his comfort spot. He knows how to behave in a synagogue. He knows how to behave among Jews. This is his place. The difference is he was going in with Jesus and not as an Old Testament Jew. I wonder the emotions that are going on in the story that he's living at this time. We read the sentence, Saul walks into a synagogue of Jews, and we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Consider that. Consider that emotion that was going through his heart, the prayers that he's clinging to as he's walking into his comfort zone completely out of his comfort zone. Interesting. Interesting how God will take us right where we are. Use us as we are. Isn't that beautiful? He had the dialogue. He had, he had the, the terminologies that the Jews needed. He knew how to talk their language. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. Um, side story of John Mark. That's all I'm going to say about that, or else I'm going <laughs> to say a lot more. Verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jew, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. See what's happening? There's, there's a Jew who knows the Old Testament God, 
He's a prophet of God, a self-proclaimed prophet of the Jewish God, of God Almighty. Verse 7, it says, He, the false prophet, was with the proconsul, whose name was Sergius Paulus. This man was a man of intelligence. This man heard what Barnabas and Saul were saying, and they wanted to hear more of what Barnabas and Saul were saying. What were Barnabas and Saul saying? The name of Jesus. So this man, this proconsul, wanted to know more about Jesus. So they called Barnabas and Saul and said, will you please come to me and tell me more about Jesus? Do you see what's happening here? Do you see the story of what's happening? Somebody's, somebody's spiritual account going on right here. This man standing next to him, this false prophet, was not happy with this fact. Verse 8, it says, But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed Barnabas and opposed Saul, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. He was a Jew. He was a self-proclaimed prophet of the Jewish nation who was standing next to a person that wanted to know about Jesus. And he is like, no, you can't know about Jesus. You need to stay with God. See what's happening here? This is Saul's first account out. It's the first time he's allowed out in public. Because you'll see when we go through Acts 9, as soon as he got saved, he went, charged into a synagogue of the Jews and proclaimed with his loudest voice, he is the son of God. And the Jews wanted to kill him. So the disciples, long story short, sent him home to Tarsus for a couple of years. Go home. And he obeyed. We see his obedience. It's another good side story to ponder. What were those few years like? Saul in his hometown where he was raised as a very, very knowledgeable Jewish scholar going home on fire for Jesus. How did that go? What did he learn during those few years? Consider that story. So here he is now on scene on his first um, trip, his first missionary <coughs> journey out with Barnabas. And this is the very first word we hear come out of Saul's mouth. I absolutely love this story. Verse 8, but Elymas the magician opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at this false prophet and said these words. And see if you can remember Saul's story as he says these words. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit, full of all villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Question mark. He says more, but can you stop for a minute and consider Saul's story? Saul looked at this false prophet, this Jewish man, and says to him exactly what Saul once was. Do you see the power and the, the, the passion of his words as he sees somebody who is doing exactly what he once did? And he was, oh, call him out. I was in your shoes. I once was you, you're no longer going to be you because I'm no longer me. 
golden hammer, right? You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately he was blind. I absolutely love how Saul saw himself and this person and Hatchet at some moment thought to himself, well, this fixed me. Isn't that fascinating? First time he's let loose, he sees himself and he knows what fixed him. It was Jesus. And the only way he would have seen Jesus was to be completely blinded from everything else. He saw that in that other person. It's a good way to start your story. Do you have a person in mind? A person that you see yourself in. Maybe it's a grandchild, a sibling, a friend. You're like, I see myself in you. I, I know. I know what you're not saying because I said it all too well. Maybe that person needs to hear your story of God. Say, but I don't know how to share that. What if maybe this week as a personal challenge, you write out your story of God? Not your knowledge of God. By all means, write out your knowledge of God. You won't be able to end. There's no end to that paper. Write out your knowledge of God, but write out your story of God. What's the story of God? How has the story of God impacted your life? How has it changed your story? Turning your story into what once was hidden and unreadable into something that you can say, but God, and it's still your story. The elements are still there. The sentences are still your sentences. The person is still that person, but not you anymore. You can now share it and somebody else can read it, and somebody else can go draw closer to Jesus because God. What is your story of God, and how can you use your story of God in your life for that person? I don't have your answer. There's your personal challenge. Welcome to No Homework of Women Inseparable. <laughs> We finish this passage, the second part of verse 11. It says, Immediately mist and darkness fell upon this man. I want so badly to know the end of his story, but we don't. We don't know. It's not in Scripture. It's one of those people, one of those stories that pop in for a split second, and then they're gone. They vanish. And one day, 1 Corinthians 13 declares, we'll see everything. We'll know everything. This is on my question list. Is he here? Is he here? Did he get saved? Oh, how I pray he did. Mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Verse 12, we're going to conclude with this verse. It says, Then the proconsul, the very man who heard what Barnabas and Saul were preaching about and wanted to hear more. This very man believed. 
this very moment as we sit here in our comfort zone, reading this Bible, reading these words, we're hearing his story of God in our hands. May we not read those words and keep on reading. Stop right there and rejoice because angels in heaven were throwing a party rejoicing over this man who once was lost but now is found. This proconsul believed in Jesus at this moment. He got saved. Oh, to rejoice when somebody gets saved. This is what's happening. And I love his testimony. I love the way he, they word his story. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished, not at the teaching of Saul, not at the teaching of Barnabas. He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. How beautiful is his story. And then he vanishes. That's all we know about this man. But what great things to know about this man. Oh, there's so many stories, so many stories. And this is only little sneak peeks of Acts. You want a personal challenge? Read all of Acts. Just find all the stories. Do all the stories. But look at the story of Saul. Sit with him. Feel the emotions of his story. And more than that, deeper than that, sit with God. See his story. Because when he thinks of you, he thinks of your story. And I know that he smiles and sings joy and victory over you as he recalls your story. What is the story of God? How can you apply it to your life? And to whom can you share it so that they could grow closer to Jesus? That's the challenge of our But God series. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so real. Thank you for giving us a book that we can read about you, that we can know things about you, that we could get to know you as we are where we are. And we thank you so much for being so real and so true and so pure and so lovely that you've given us insight into who you are as our God, as our Father. Or that moment that we received your Son as our Savior, you became so much more than, than just a sentence of the Creator of the world. You became our physical God. You became our everything. And I thank you so much for who you are. I pray that you'll be with us this week as we just ponder you. Now that we just spend time just sitting with you in the silence, on our walk, on our drive, sitting in our favorite chair, wherever it may be, may we just silence all things and just ponder, ponder your story and how it came into our life and how you turned our story into something that is shareable, something that we can actually say this happened, but God, we thank you for who you are. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WIOnline. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.